He's Greek we, and stuff. We've talked about orgies on this show before. Like I said, astrological orgies. They are, they, they, we've, we've mentioned them. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruke, and I am here with my co-hosts, Michael Lockie. Hello, hello. And Brentimus Philbimus. Uh, hey, oh, I got my last name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually oh, a crypto. <laughs> All right, so what you're listening to is our Friday flagship it's going to be Friday flagship number 49, actually. It's going to be released Friday, December 7th. So this is our weekly news episode. We're going to get into some news announcements, maybe some stuff around the world. And we're going to lead things off with a little news about the uh, Humboldt uh, Broncos uh, fundraising. Who wants to take this one? All right. So this is just a quick... This was one of the top stories of like the subreddits for the week, and it's a quick mention. The Humboldt Broncos bus crash was like that hockey team in Canada a few months ago that like uh, I want to say fourteen members of the team died in a bus crash uh, from like a semi truck running into them. And there was a mass. It was a really big thing, especially in Canada. There were all kinds of celebrities coming out and like saying how terrible it was, and they started a GoFundMe, and the GoFundMe raised fifteen million dollars for this team. Of which four hundred eighty-two thousand dollars was taken for transaction fees. Well, Brent, um, Brent, let's be fair. Two point, like two. There is a lot of security fees. needed to move fifteen million dollars from a million people into one person. Maybe, but with crypto, we wouldn't need to do that. Uh, there, you know, we don't have those fees, so that is an illustration of the necessity of crypto. But. Even though it's an illustration of the necessity of crypto, when this GoFundMe was started, the price of Bitcoin was $9,000. By the time it was over, the price of Bitcoin was 4000 So even though it could have gone up or down, I think that we're still a very long way away from crypto being a great solution for something like this because it's just too volatile. Same reason you can't use it for a real estate deal or same reason you can't use it for any sort of a long term of a paying of an employee or something like that, the value is just fluctuating pretty, pretty hard, and uh, and it's going to be like that for a while. So this is something that crypto can change for the better. This is something that crypto can help, but we need to be careful of trying to push that in. Yeah, the, short term, the the issue that I have here is that you know there's going to be centralized figures in power, no matter how we look at it, and the decentralized options that we have now are pretty loose and not that practical. So I think there's gonna be a lot of time developing, you know, everybody's going to want to get their cut because every business wants to be profitable, right? But at the same time, you know, where do you draw these arbitrary lines? Is it 2.9%? Probably not, especially not on the situation like this. There needs to be no reason that there needs to be this many fees taken out of something that is meant to be for a good cause. And, you know, at the same time, can you start, you know, redefining what every fundraiser is for? And then do people start taking advantage of it and start disguising business proposals as fundraisers to take advantage of significant fee discounts? Like there's kind of a big issue here with like where, like how to fix this. I, I agree this is wrong, but what's the right steps to move forward? Yeah, I think I'm, <clears throat> I'm with you there partially, Mike, because I think what you're really saying is 
ultimately, maybe 2.9% is too high an amount. But that doesn't mean that there's no service and therefore that there should be no fee, right? Like uh, exchanging value and doing it in a secure way has some value to be attributed. So I think there's definitely a valid point to be made that what we're really fighting for here is not price gouging when it comes to those transactions, especially when we live in an electronic age where, you know, much of this is not, you know, much of this is like overcharge. It's not like it really costs as much. So, but where is that line? If this was a half a percent cost, Brent, would you think that um, it would be unjustified? Like, let's say, uh, because, you know, blockchains still have transaction costs. I'll actually make another point real quick before Brent comes on. Um, if you did a GoFundMe, you wouldn't you wouldn't donate in gold either. And and I think that Bitcoin still has a lot of similarities to gold. And if you want to use the blockchain to solve these problems, you do it with stable coins uh, like the USDT or uh, the Tether that we just released the article about pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. Well, another another thing that was a little bit interesting on this. Uh, on this on this title of the article is let's imagine they did do it in crypto what if the title was um people raise 15 million dollars for the Humboldt Broncos bus crash and tr- the transfer was sent to the wrong bitcoin address and now 15 million dollars is gone because they mistyped the address that it was going to and uh, that was that was an interesting comment on that post. I mean, like, that's cute that and all, title. but and it could happen. Um, as we've talked about in the past, you know, don't be fooled by randomness, right? Like the the number of people that miss send that transaction are the ones that are making the Reddit post, the ones that are making the points. Most people that are in crypto, anybody that would be doing any sort of fundraiser with the expectation of raising, I don't know, any reasonable amount of couple of Bitcoin or more is going to understand the copy paste feature and do this transaction correct almost always. Maybe, but maybe they send it to like the the Bitcoin Cash address or whatever. Like we know that happens. So, uh, just a, just a random thought. There will be a solution for this. There will be a there will be a payment processor that comes up that makes it easier to take cryptocurrency at some point. There's already a solution, right? What we're talking about is the price becoming more competitive for the consumer. Right? right? That's really, I think, at the crux of this because, yeah, I mean, sometimes crypto will make more sense, but you were dealing with other stuff, irreversible user errors. If this is a payment processor that's guaranteeing that this money is going to go to this specific place or, again, it comes down to what Mike said. It's difficult to draw the number because we know 2.9% feels like too much, but that doesn't mean that there's no place for, you know, kind of a custodian of transfer and maybe even the decentralized currencies that provide other options force these payment processors to lower their price and be more competitive because it it starts to look more and more extreme, right? Like 20 years ago, we wouldn't even question this because what other alternative is there? Mm-hmm. And now with all these decentralized options, we're like, hey, 2.9 is ridiculous and that might push the market. So, all right. But anyway, it is the holiday season and... We always ask ourselves here at Crypto Basic, what do teenagers want for Christmas? (laughs) Yes, yes. That is what we ask ourselves constantly. And the answer is pretty much like iPhones and other tech. But there are two things that got up there on the wish list like after the, the big tech items. And they were Bitcoin and Fortnite cash. So like... 
The fact that Bitcoin is up there competing with the things that teenagers need to get Fortnite skins gives me a little bit of a uh, of a little bit of hope for for future generations. When these kids are in the working world and they're 26, 27 years old, and Fortnite's not a thing anymore, and they're not doing the stupid dances, they'll still have that Bitcoin and it'll still be worth a lot of money. So they'll use it. Okay. If you were a teenager and you were asking for Bitcoin, why would you be asking for Bitcoin? I promise you it's not for your future. It's not it's not to like it's not to hold it for 10 years. Are you it's suggesting like, that these kids are trying to buy drugs? No. You know what the first thing that came to mind is they could just buy more Fortnite stuff, right? Like <laughs> So they're doing the It's move just the alternative like, way to get it. it this is the way they're asking their parents. It's like the move of, can I have a gift card when you really just want money? Like, this is the way you can ask your parents and get it and then get your Fortnite skins because they already told you Fortnite skins are stupid. Right. So I, I remember my teenage years, we were uh, we were using Napster. We were making CDs. We were, you know, we were just doing whatever kids did at the time that we knew was part of the future. We didn't feel that guilty about it because, you know, the music industry, like, what could they do, man? Like, we just, it was just music. We just wanted to listen to music, right? And, and that's just how these kind of things evolve. Look, at the end of the day, if we want to talk about cryptocurrency being the future, what better way than having the younger generations value the asset, right? Right. And we've seen already there's been articles or surveys that show millennials in particular are more likely to consider cryptocurrency a, a valuable investment for retirement than older people, right? Baby boomers are just not necessarily looking at crypto. So you start seeing it down the line where these kids are already saying, whatever they're, whether they're gonna use it for Fortnite, whether they just wanna have money online that they can move around, whether they, the ones that think they're saving for retirement, they think, holy crap, I'm only 13, by the time I'm 50, Bitcoin's gonna be a million dollars, whatever. Who cares? That generation wants Bitcoin. That generation is going to start getting their first jobs. That generation is going to be asking for Christmas presents. That generation is going to start saving for retirement in eight to 10 years, the smart ones are. Like, this is fantastic. Yep. I believe I believe the children are our future. You know, we got to <laughs> we got to teach them when and let them lead the way. Yeah. He definitely felt every <laughs> every time <laughs> We saw a kid at the airport. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brent was like, I'm going to get a vasectomy. <laughs> it was like we saw kids like a right, little kid like running away from his parents. And then like his mother finally caught up to him. And she's like, no more. This is the second time you ran away. And he just starts screaming. And she literally has to like throw him over his shoulder. She was carrying him like he was like another piece of around. luggage. Like this kid was just so useless in walking. How fucking hard is that? That she had to carry him like luggage. She was just like uh, he was effective. He was he was too effective. Yeah. It was his will that was a problem, <laughs> Brent. He could he could run. <laughs> Clearly he could run. <laughs> so anyway, there is, hilarious to hear the two of Brent you say. do not know how humbling is an experience being a parent is. And I never I, will. <laughs> And that's okay. Honestly, I think the world's better off without you reproducing. Yeah. Oh, I but. agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. This is my job to rein us in. We got kid, no ever kid, and probably kid at some point. So we represent all views here at Crypto Basics. So you can keep listening if you're a parent or an anti-child person like Brent. <laughs> all right. So we talk about uh, Fortnite teenagers. That's fantastic. But why don't we get into 
actual money, the S&P 500. Let's go into the playground of adults. Who wants to tell me this story? Yeah, this is all me here. So uh, the institutional manager, Morgan Creek Digital, is piggybacking on Warren Buffett's earlier success this year, and they're putting up a million dollars also for charity, but they're putting up a million dollars that their index of 10 cryptos will outperform the S&P 500 over the next 10 years. And sorry, Mike, I, I want to pause you. First of all, this is super interesting. Yes. But just in case anybody doesn't know what you were referring to there with Warren Buffett's success, he made uh, he made a famous bet with. I, I have the notes right here. I have that included in this story here. Oh, actually, OK, fantastic. So um, it actually I did not know. So for whatever reason, I've known Warren Buffett's very successful, but I thought a lot of his stories were. Longer ago, I guess. I, I thought he was more just kind of be, been rich forever, like whatever. Um, but I guess this story was in 2008, he made a million dollar bet that, um, that he would bet on the S&P 500 against a collection of, um, hedge funds from protege partners. And in that 10 year span, the S&P 500 averaged 7.1% and the hedge fund averaged 2.2%. So he won that million dollar bet. He also, get, it ended up being, uh, 2.2 million after the, after everything and he gave it all to charity. Um, which, which I kind of had mixed opinions on, right? Cause like it, if you want to make this bet from a from a financial perspective, like, hey, I'm putting my money on this. Um, I don't know. The the fact that it went to charity almost made it like it didn't matter. No, no but, but he doesn't give a it, shit about a million dollars or for yeah, first of all, he's he wouldn't care about two million, but he's still he's still dishing out the money, right? But he you wanted have to, to do it as understand a fuck you. that Warren Buffett's goal was to make this an educational opportunity because what he was doing was he'd been telling the public that if you're the average investor, you're much better off tracking the market and paying very low fees than listening to any experts because the fees are going to eat you up. And in order to basically do this public service announcement, he was willing to make a public bet where he would go up against famous hedge fund managers and say, this is the bet. We're going to make it a lot of money so that it gets headlines. We'll donate all the money to charity so nobody can accuse me of just trying to make money. And this taught, it literally proved this point. Don't listen to the quote unquote smart guys. Just don't pay any fees, track the market, bet on the economy as a whole. And I didn't know the full details of that story. And I was kind of happy that this included a link to that. So I was able to, to fork my story and add a sub story here. Um, so another cool thing I had recognized Morgan, uh, Morgan Creek digital and that's Anthony Pompliano's company. So now a pomp on Twitter is quickly becoming one of my favorite people, dude. He is, he is putting it all out there and he is respectful. He's educated and he's brutally honest and very, very impressed with his Twitter action so far. Um, so Mike, were you able to catch the, the, what the currencies would be, what his index? Yes. I, yeah. So those are included in this index and there are some interesting, there are some interesting choices. I'm, I want to hear your guys' vote on it. So, uh, it is Bitcoin and Ethereum based, which I, I can't imagine any index fund is going to not include those, right? That those are going to be automatic. So now this is kind of more of the speculation beyond that. It includes Bitcoin Cash, EOS, Litecoin, 
Monero, Zcash, Dash, IOTA, and NEM. Hmm. It doesn't have Ripple or uh, or Stellar in there. That's interesting. Both are very. Both are in the top four market cap right now. So that's a. Uh, they may have An- decided Anthony on that is while very ago. anti-Ripple, just in for the, for the same purposes we are. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, yeah. If he's already got some issues with with Ripple, but those same <clears throat> reasons don't completely apply to Stellar. So I, I'm not sure why he would skip Stellar, but it's possible he just doesn't like the tech behind either one of them. They're very similar. Um, e- EOS definitely a questionable choice in my opinion. Uh, the rest of them though are are pretty uh, are are pretty fine. Yeah, I mean, again, here's the thing though. In in his defense, right? With the, I wonder what the reasons are for Ripple. As you said, maybe he didn't even consider it because it's so centralized. But as far as EOS being questionable, which I completely agree on a personal basis, remember that the point of an index, it's not so much to make expert picks; it's to track the top market cap coins or or stocks and eos is definitely up there very specifically i think bitcoin cash and eos are very important to index right like i think those are two very polarizing projects that are going to be really hit or miss in my opinion and and they have all the potential to be hits so they have to get respect of being able to be hits right yeah well xrp and stellar are two of the top four market cap coins right now that if you're picking a if you're picking a fund strictly on buying or having the bigger market cap coins, then why are you excluding those in particular and not EOS? I would argue that uh, that XSRP is probably less centralized than EOS. Um, you know, they they are centralized as far as their supply. I would argue that as well. I would happily argue. I would I would much rather have XRP than EOS. Yeah, personally. and EOS I, is. I'll be clear about that. They're 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 both centralized. Like I don't want to say that that XRP is not right. is is not centralized but if we're ranking the centralization like that eos has one guy that the power vested in him to fucking change the blockchain like what the fuck <laughs> so anyway no 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 it's it's understandable i i agree with you and we don't know that ripple was excluded because of centralization there i, I don't know what the reason was so um i guess look if, if your top 10 index has basically all top 15 coins breaking news here I don't know what the fuck happened, but I pulled up CoinMarketCap to look and see that Stellar and XRP were in the top four, which is what I was about to say. And Bitcoin Cash has been passed by Bitcoin SV. I knew that. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. That, like every other coin is down in the bajillion percentages and Bitcoin SV is up 23%. So Bitcoin Cash is now the seventh overall market cap. Uh, that's a very interesting turn of events. And I don't know the reason behind that. Uh, if I had noticed that before we got on air, I probably would have looked that up to see what happened. Um, I happened to notice it while I was I was done waiting and waiting for the two of you. I had a, just a couple moments before um, Brent showed up, but uh, in our in our uh, Telegram chat that we're in, they were talking about it. And I, I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe hey, maybe we got another reason to get Brent back on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, dude, what the fuck happened? I thought this was over. So. Uh, also, Cardano is now at two cents, officially making that coffee maker the most expensive coffee maker <laughs> ever. Um, throwback. That's a throwback for those longtime listeners, longtime basic bitches. <laughs> what was the exact situation? Like, you. Oh, I ended up buying the really cheap 
coffee maker and I specifically bought the difference between the oh. other coffee maker that I wanted in Cardano <laughs> and I glued the amount of Cardano that I that I had so that I remember a positive reinforcement for investment. And now if I look at it, I'm just like it's gotten more and more expensive. Yeah, like, for oh, like one dollar you could have had the coffee maker. <laughs> and- Kareem, we tried so hard to do everything right, and we just we just had all the right like education Listen, and like. Don't say had, Mike. Don't say had. No, no, no. We do, we do, we do, we do. No, no. It just yes. the time that we learned all these really good responsible behaviors. We also just found a dirty girlfriend that like crypto. That's this beautiful drug that just is currently on this like spiral down, and it doesn't mean anything to me right now. But it's funny that we have these negative reinforcements that were totally should be positive reinforcements, but just like total unluck, unlucky that it just is currently like super annoying. Actually, you know what? You, uh, I'm sorry. I, just bringing us back to this index fund. I would like to speak with Pomp about why he has EOS in here rather than Cardano. He does not have Cardano on there. And he do has EOS. So that if anybody can get this guy on the show, this index sucks. No, just kidding. <laughs> we would love to ch- have a little chat. I mean, listen, I would have Ethereum Classic in a in a ten coin tenure probably. Um, it's it's tough, right? Is and and they're putting it out there and they're willing to bet a million dollars on it. So yeah, there's probably some game theory involved. I can't swear to that. Let, let me tell you something, Mike. I, uh, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of insight that uh, Brent and I discovered at the conference. I'm very specifically not going to use any names or name any projects. However, we have come to learn that within the industry, there is a lot of hate towards Cardano. Or specifically, there's a lot of, so, of negative perceptions of IOHK. Which is very interesting, obviously for for us, like for myself, who puts them at the very top. Um, and we noticed even some of those people's perceptions slowly changed the more they interacted with uh, with the IOHK representatives, uh, Charles in particular. But Brent, would you agree that we noticed more than one instance of like kind of a strong negativity towards IOHK? Yes, there, and it doesn't surprise me because IOHK is moving Cardano slowly. So they're moving it slowly with a, with purpose and reason. And if if you're doing investing and you're watching all these projects like just flurry off and fire away and hit roadmap goals and all that stuff and Cardano doesn't and they're like, "Look, our roadmap is we're working on this stuff and we're going to put it out when it's ready." So they kind of aren't doing it the way everybody else is doing it. So I can see why people would think like they don't deserve their market cap or something like that. So I, I see why there is that that kind of uh distaste, I guess. I think also the vibe that I got is that some people perceive them as kind of arrogant. Yeah. Arrogant I mean Charles can or... come off arrogant. He yeah, can. it's he true. I, he fucking did it to me. Uh, we were having a conversation, and he boxed me out of the conversation. Like, like we were in a group. We were talking to Jeremy, and literally, like the full blown like crash and boards box out. He comes in and just is like no. boom, like checks me to the Brent, side. To be fair, like, to be fair, it was like this, Mike. It was like this, and Char- like this is Brent. This is Jeremy. This is like the little circle of people, and Charles just comes boop. It was hilarious, bro. <laughs> I even I just started talking. Kareem looks at me and I throw up my arms like, come on, bro. And yeah. yeah. And I never worked. I couldn't get back into the circle. He just like threw me out. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go over here now. But honestly, though, Mike, that, I heard somebody make fun of them 
for investing resources into training uh, people in Africa to develop in Haskell. Haskell code, the one that they use, because it's a very difficult code to learn. And they were literally mocking them for it, as if like, ugh. Which is like, wait, so are you saying that it's not smart for the company to train a pool of people in a content that they're trying to dominate, where they think that's an opportunity to become... Like, you know what I'm saying? It's So there's definitely a negative perception. So, and And these were people of influence. So I guess what I'm getting at here is I look at a list like this, and before this conference, it would have floored me that something like Ada wouldn't be on here. But after this conference, I'm pretty convinced, and now that what we've seen online too is there are circles in cryptocurrency that are very anti-IOHK, probably as anti-IOHK as we are anti-EOS. So, you know what's funny too, because I can't, I'm not, I don't even feel comfortable telling my friends to buy Cardano, right? Because your friends, if you do that, they have expectations. So, like, anytime someone asks me about Cardano, I'm like, oh, it's one of my favorite coins. But, I mean, if you get it, just don't worry about it for a while. And, like, I don't want to hear about it. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I, it, I own some and I'm going to keep it and I'm going to have it for a long time. But I don't want to hear about it. That's kind of the way I approach that situation. And and I know that I'm actually, like, as positive as somebody can really be as a non-coder and a right, non-developer right. user. So, what is their upside? Like how, you know, that that's why this is hopefully going to be a sleeping giant. Yeah. I have a rant I mean, about at this the at the end, end, by the way, but we'll save it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we have to keep moving forward. I, I want to keep the show moving, but certainly I agree with what you're saying, Mike, it's a longer vision. And, you know, to me, it's about process over people. When people have asked me about Cardano specifically, because I also get that, right? Especially people outside of crypto. And usually if somebody's first coming into crypto, my advice is just like, get Bitcoin and just keep some Bitcoin and relax. If you don't want Bitcoin, get Ethereum. And I give them a quick explanation. That's it. That's not financial advice for anybody, but this is like somebody just coming in. I'm just like, forget about everything else. Uh, and then if you want to get a little more advanced, yeah, I believe in the this company's process, but same as you, Mike. Don't, don't tell them to expect anything overnight. However, let's move on to a company that we all love, Bank of America. Something we've grown to expect. Oh, Bank of America. I mean, is there, other than Wells Fargo, is there a more loved company in the planet? Maybe I like, I'm actually not banned by Wells Fargo. <laughs> I am banned by Bank of America, so I love them all right, more. So, <laughs> all right, let's, Brent, talk to me about Bank of America and uh, they're totally, totally up and up business yeah, tactics. So I don't know if this is going to work in the way I wanted it to, but basically I put a really tiny story in here. That has like interesting information that I'm hoping Kareem's gonna have like a rant about afterwards. But <laughs> I have one actually. Oh, good. Already. <laughs> so, Bank of somebody looked this up on uh, on Reddit, and they, Bank of America has paid since 2008 58 billion dollars in fines, just in fines, 58 billion dollars. The market cap of Bitcoin, when I looked up this article, was 59 billion. So they have paid almost the entire market cap of Bitcoin in fines. Um, and everybody's trusting them with their money. So I want to put it this way. Would you trust a felon that's had to pay fines for the last eight years, nine years, with your money? And then they'll give it back to you whenever you want it? So uh, <laughs> quick shout out to Lama Flux. Um, he sent me a video that I demand that we include in the show notes. I will put it the is link in our in Discord under the do, 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 where did it end up? Um, in it's in the Twitter thing that I added on top. 
It is a speech by Antonopoulos on, and the title is Escaping the Global Banking Cartel, something close to that. It's about a 35 minute long video. It is in kind of like a TED talk format. It's just, you know, monologue-y, uh, but no background, just, just him talking. And when I say that this was like a great speech, man, like I just, I admit I've probably watched it three times since start to finish. And like, it's one of those things that just really reminds us why we're here. And, and I can't think of a better time to remind people to watch this because he goes into many details of what this is. And the only thing that I don't like about this video is that for whatever reason, he uncomfortably uses the word orgy. Uh, way too much and you'll notice it. It's, it's just an orgy of crime. It's an orgy of this. He just uses the word orgy like way too many times uncomfortably. However, his points are just absolutely home runs. And, and this man is the leader that we need, man. Like he is the voice of reason. (laughs) He is the, the, he is what we need. And please, please watch this video. Antonopoulos is great. There's a reason why the community has shown him so much support. Uh, Here, in his defense, the second definition of orgy, excessive indulgence in a specified activity. So, yeah, he's using it properly. He's really, you know, he's he's Greek and stuff. We've talked about orgies on this show before. Like I said, astrological orgies. We've mentioned (laughs) them. And and honestly, we need more... We we need more things that take us away from the banking industry, and we we need more things that lead us to orgies. So he's not wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and look, all kidding around aside, this is something that really the more you learn about the reality, I'm not talking about any overarching conspiracies necessarily. It's it's tough to say something like this without people thinking that you're being conspiratorial. But we are currently in a situation where the business model of these banks is fraud, is to defraud their customers, is to commit crime, and they're completely, completely immune because, as Brent is pointing out with this article... The fines are just the cost of doing business, right? If if I'm going to charge you a million dollars for an illegal activity that makes you $9 million, that's a pretty easy business decision, especially if you're going to face no jail time, no consequences, nobody's going to get fired. And in the off chance that an executive loses their job, you wave them goodbye with a $50 million golden parachute. So this is an industry completely out of control and unfortunately... It doesn't look like we have the political power to put them in check. So the fact that cryptocurrency is emerging as a technological alternative to try to remove some of that power from them is beyond necessary. The other thing that it kind of reminded me of, like, you look at these situations like uh, we've talked about Venezuela a bunch. We've talked about Greece. You know, we've talked about these other um not like powerful nations, right? And then you think, what would have happened to this country if we weren't just literally bailed out? You know, his uh, speech was like a $10 trillion bailout. I guess I never understood what that meant, right? Like, Like what happened if that didn't happen? That's the thing. That's what makes it so disgusting, Mike. The bailout was basically taking all of the excessive risk and all of the un like all of the toxic assets that would have bankrupted the business, the banks, 
they basically took it and put it on the taxpayer sheet. So what happened to that is that your taxes went up and your benefits went down. In exchange, Wall Street got a complete clear out, essentially. So by quote unquote bailing out the banks, we just printed a bunch of money, gave it all to them, took all of their shitty assets, let them cash in on the profits, didn't punish anybody. And then we go into the gradual political process where we say, oh no, we can't afford anything here. We can't afford healthcare. We can't afford education. You can't afford to work on the infrastructure. We've completely stopped investing in the society. And then on the other hand, these people continue to do the same thing and the same risk because they've already been bailed out and they're going to be bailed out again. Even just the last thing I'll say, I know Brent's (laughs) laughing so hard that you got me ranting. That was the point. The last thing I'll say, just, just to show you how like pervasive this is, It's already the companies that specialize on analyzing the risk of a particular asset. It's already factored in the fact that they know they'll get a bailout. So they analyze the risk accordingly because they know that they're going to get bailouts. Game theory optimal states. Exactly. If these are are all the outcomes, which ones net me the most money and which decision tree nets me the most profit? Yeah. And to make this a very political statement for anybody who's listening and thinks that this might just be a Republican problem, no question about it that they are much worse on this topic. However, don't forget that when we had a Democratic president and everything came crashing down, he brought the exact same people who crashed the economy to fix it. The same bankers, the same people, the same Larry Cohen's are made the decisions before and after, and they're stacking it up to profit from it again. So... yeah if you enjoyed that exchange please watch this video the entire 38 minutes is more enthusiastic than cream just was and it's it's good man i really really i needed it man it's it was a nice jolt i'm gonna watch it i like antonopoulos he's he's great all right so that gets us a little bit on uh bank of america (laughs) so Let's move on to another project that we're big fans of, Tether. Yes, here we go. Tether time. By the way, I'll let you guys grab the stories, and it's just a slugfest of depression. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Well, listen, so this is somewhat bad, somewhat good, somewhat good. These were actually sent to me by uh, the, the person that we had on the show earlier this week, Sam Bankman-Fried. He emailed these to me. He's like, hey, some more things happened with Tether since our talk, um, and he didn't you know, make any assertions, yay or nay, about whether they were good or bad. He just sent me some more information that didn't, like, make it to Reddit. So I'm glad he did. Um, uh, first of all, Tether now allows you to cash out again. They haven't been allowing you to cash out. Originally, their business model was pay us a dollar, we give you a Tether. And whenever you want that dollar back, you give us the Tether and we give you the dollar. No fees either direction. We're good. Well, then they started stopping the withdrawal process you could get approved if you were a big person, but you had to pay like 3% in fees. Um, now they have changed it so that you can cash in and cash out again. So maybe they have gotten themselves out of the hole. Uh, maybe they haven't. I don't know. But they, um, you do have to pay a 1% fee if you cash out. Up to 3%, depending on how much money you take out. The more money you take out, the more fees you pay. Which is weird because it's normally in the other direction. But if you're a company trying to stop people from cashing out so that you're fucking your tower of Jenga blocks doesn't fall over, you might want to disincentivize people to make big withdrawals. So uh, that makes that makes total sense to me. 
um, as far as like how Tether works. Plus, it also probably like if you're looking at it from the sense that Tether is having banking troubles and it's tough for them to deal with U.S. dollars because the banks don't want to fuck with them, then maybe it does actually cost them more to do the bigger withdrawals. So there's like a a cap on what you can do every day. So you can't just be like, all right, fine, I'll I'll take out the 1% fee 50,000 times, deal with it. So um, you also get charged fees on the way in now. You get charged uh, 0.1% of fees as you go in. So in theory, there's no way a Tether should ever equal a dollar because the minimum fees you're paying on I just hit my green screen the minimum fees you're paying on the way ba- uh, on the way back out to turn it back into a dollar is 1% so 99 cents should in theory be the cap on what it's worth uh, the fee on both sides yeah it's very small to buy the tether for tether to have the privilege to hold your money yes maybe yep Tether has actually become worse, even though they're like allowing you to do the thing that they was part of their value proposition in the beginning. So Sam, Sam sent this to you as like a good thing. No, no, he just he literally was just like, here's some more information. On I Tether. think I think he's I think he's just being an honest yeah. actor. Fair, all right, I like honest actors. Big fan of them. Yeah, d- despite his, you know, like like we said, he he did make a trolley statement on the on stage that was like very easy to attack. But when he talked to us, as you heard in the uh, in the interview. It was it was very reasonable things that he had to say. So not to yeah, Tony. The number the one of the things he said that kind of I could accept is that if there is a small transaction fee, that it's uh it's not going to matter. You know that like basically, if Tether was able to deliver on the promise of always giving a dollar, but it cost you like one percent to to get it, he was basically saying from the perspective of a high volume trader, he's basically saying that's fine. That's still guaranteeing me basically the value of the dollar and transaction fees are basically par for the course on everything that they do. They're paying transaction fees every time they trade. They pay transaction fees when they cash out of exchanges. They pay transaction fees when they make deposits. They pay transaction fees. Yeah, but everything's fixed. Everything you just described is fixed. No, I I understand. Well, supposedly the transaction fee for Tether would also be fixed, right? So Well, then it wouldn't be a percentage. What's up? Well- like moving from exchange to exchange, you can move a million dollars for the same price as as ten dollars. Uh, but the buying in and out, if it's a by a percentage, then buying a hundred thousand and buying ten dollars. Yeah, but the story we just did about the charity fundraising, what was the situation there? Right, you're getting all this money from one person to another, and effectively the the whole system is paying two point nine percent for the privilege of move to move to that much value. And I think that the point that Sam was trying to make, and again, I'm not defending Tether. I'm just saying that I felt that this was a valid point. Was that from his perspective, as some as somebody who holds millions and millions and millions of dollars, if he's able to hold a quote unquote crypto that he can cash in for as much as he wants, but and he's going to get 99 cents on the dollar on the promise that it'll always be 99 or 98 cents on the dollar, that the trader can accept that as the cost of doing business as part of the service, so to speak. You know, take that for what it is, um, you know. But one of the things that I asked Sam was, so like, what is even the business model of a stable coin? Where does a stable coin make money? And thinking about that question makes me wonder whether we could ever have a truly 100% stable coin, because even just to offset the cost of doing business, I would assume that a small, a small cost to the user might be relevant. Yeah, they even if they invest it in random stuff, 
triple A bonds or whatever, like there's still now an element of risk, which should in theory take it below a dollar because a dollar is the max you can ever get from it. So, um, anyway, that, that I'll move on to the second part of the tether announcement, which is Bitfinex has announced stablecoin agnosticism. Uh, they, they have been kind of tied uniquely with tether for a long time. Recently, they added the maker die to their platform, which is the decentralized stablecoin. Uh, but they have now also said they're going to pair tether with the U.S. dollar because they ha- they are a fiat in, uh, exchange. They can do fiat transfers. Uh, so they're paying they're pairing the USDT and the USD. So in theory, you can do your own little redemption there. Um, and they're also pairing the euro and the euro tether. And uh, they also have said that they are going to be adding more stable coins in the future. So they're not going to only have Tether and die. So that's, uh, I guess, good because we need more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Good. You know, it's going to seem kind of silly when we have like 16 different stablecoin options on each exchange. But um, until we know which one is actually going to, you know, do what they say. and How different is it are. than Venmo and Cash App, right? Those are kind of like Venmo dollars. Those are kind of like Cash App dollars. We just trust that Venmo will redeem them for straight up and, you know, their business model is to make money elsewhere. I mean, it seems possible. Seems good. Listen, I'm in favor of multiple stable coins, if anything, because it just spreads out the risk, right? Like at the end of the day, if Tether has... 30% of the stable coin market and then they crash. It's a worse scenario than if Tether has 12% of the stable coin market and it crashes. So I'm happy that Bitfinex is doing this. I don't want Tether exclusivity. I feel like they're mostly benefiting from first mover advantage, even though they're per, uh, not producing a better product. And I think that the best way for them to lose that market share in a slow, gradual, methodical way is to just be put in a sort of open market where other stable coins can compete. Yep. I agree. So those are both good things for the ecosystem in general. They were reasonably neutral for Tether, uh, but I just wanted to talk about them. Or uh, it's going through the same kind of life cycle that Bitcoin was going through when it was kind of a much inferior product, but because it had this longevity and and it had the time. And listen, I'm going to say the most likely scenario probably is that Tether wasn't solvent for most of this time. I think it's most likely fine or it's getting better somehow, whatever that means. Um, And, you know, it's just it's just interesting that, you know, something like Binance, right? They have so much risk with so many of these exchange, so many of these different tether options and these stablecoin options. I like that they just said, we're just going to honor them all, right? That's, you know, is that kind of what they're saying here with Bifinex? Is they're just honoring them all equally and they're, they're going to keep adding to them? them on the exchange. Basically, what by pairing everything with tether, they are automatically pushing you into tether because there's not that much value in holding a stable coin that you can't interact with the market with. So just by pairing stuff with other stable coins, they're going to start making it easier to move out of tether. But okay, so when they say there's like a USD and tether pair so you can go in and out, but that's people are still going to make the market there, right? It's not like them putting up a, a sell wall at dollar for dollar trade, right? No, it's still the market, but basically you don't have to go all the way to tether to redeem your dollars. You could just do it at that, par- that market is oh, probably okay. going to look a lot more like a normal currency exchange market where the currencies fluctuate like tiny, 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 tiny amounts and people buy on margin and like try to play that. So they'll 
that if you're playing those particular markets, you're going to be buying massive amounts of shares and trying to catch like tiny, tiny, tiny shifts in the USD versus USDT, which does not sound interesting to me. But, but hey, there's I know there's like multi-level marketing companies out there that'll teach you the secrets of trading. All you have to do is sign up for our class and become a registered trader. <laughs> and they do currency. Yeah, it's funny. Speaking of trading, e uh. Z- Oh, Zero X has launched uh, Instant, Mike. Tell Great me about transition. this. Great <laughs> transition. Sorry. That was pretty weak, man. I can't Speaking lie. Speaking of trading, not a, little, a lot of them are weak, but it was just funny that it, like, you realized halfway through saying that, that you're like, oh, shit, this is nothing to do with Listen, I, I fucked plenty of transitions, up. don't get me wrong. I, I know, I know, like, you're in full character, and then you have to shut the character off and then re- yeah, yeah, reestablish. Yeah. It's hard to shut the character off sometimes, but... Speaking of the next story, here's the next story. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I thought this was a little bit interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I actually kind of put it out there right before I found this because I waited the last minute to do the research for this. And I recently put out, I believe on either Twitter or Discord, I don't remember, but I'm interested to go back and look at the answers. But I was kind of like, man, I really wish I could just get a Fiat onboarding ramp that's simple, that can start moving things and that maybe I could just design a portfolio one day and just like be able to swap my fiat right into that portfolio distribution and I can just keep it there and everything would be great. So then this came up and the allure was kind of close enough. So that's what drew me in. So we've covered zero X before. And for those of you that need a quick refresher, that is the open protocol decentralized peer to peer exchange of Ethereum tokens. So um, we covered this in the past. They have recently been added to Coinbase. Um, they've been on Coinbase Pro for a little bit. Um, I believe Coinbase Pro is in the double digits in assets now. Normal Coinbase, I think, is up to eight. So we're getting a little, it's getting to be a little less exclusive club, but still pretty important. Um, so they launched what they're calling as instant. And this is meant to eventually they want it to become an open market for all sorts of decentralized digital assets, including fiat, stocks, bonds, commodities, um, debt instruments. I didn't really know what that meant, but I kind of, you know, that, that Antonopoulos video kind of gave me some words to look up some at some point. Um, but real estate, video game items, uh, software licenses, just basically a, a decentralized marketplace to buy and sell. Um, Everything. What's that? To buy and sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's the long-term goals. That's, that's not all uh, available at this point, but it's, Instant is a, it's supposed to be a one click buying interface built on the zero X platform that you can add to any app or website. So theoretically, we could create a fiat onboarding ramp on our website, I believe. Obviously, there's a lot that would go into that, but you know, if we had, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. Do you remember how the the ra- um, the relay system worked yeah, exactly, it, or the it, radar system? It sounds well. Radar relay is one of the the re- the relays, but the relay system basically anybody can open a zero x portal and do their own decentralized exchange, set their own fees, do whatever they want with it. So in theory, those that provide the best uh, customer experience are going to be the ones that get the most fees out of that either because they have lower fees or because their high fees are worth it for the better customer experience. So maybe there's going to be something similar to that where you can add it to your website and you have the option to get whatever the zero X fees are on the way in or on the way out. Maybe it's free. Maybe it's just a good way for you to 
help people get crypto on your website or something like that. Yeah. So basically they said uh, one of the purposes of this um, was to help new sites, crypto wallets, uh, decentralized applications or price trackers um, help them add, you know, uh, revenue to their existing pipelines. And it says there's like 5% affiliate fees you can earn on, you know, transactions and stuff. So, you know, maybe there's an ability to create our own marketplace or something. That sounds, it sounds kind of interesting. Is it, when are they launching that? I believe it's, I believe it just went live. That was, yeah, that was the, uh, the story. Oh, cool. Um, so they covered some, a little bit of a side story in here that I thought was interesting. Cream, you all right? Yeah, well, no, because you opened with saying they just launched, so it was funny. Oh, okay. You were like, oh, that's the story. Well, uh, yeah, I, listen, I, 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 I was just explaining why I left. He asked me. Yeah, why yeah, I yeah. no, I, is, I didn't. I, I don't know for sure. I can't even swear that they just launched, but I'm pretty sure they just launched. Um, so they they had a side story in here that I thought was pretty interesting. This apparently last month. Uh, a piece of real estate in South Carolina sold for $20 million as the first part of a real tokenized real estate investment trust. And they called it the, the REIT. Um, apparently those tokens are available on the exchange known as the ocean, the zero X exchange. Um, that's either the name of the tokens or the exchange. I, I'm not familiar with the zero X portals. I haven't particularly gone down there, but that's really interesting that they've tokenized a, a piece of real estate. I don't really – I don't know if that just means you're able to buy it in micro shares or yeah. if there's anything – any utility to that or you can just like whenever they sell it, you'll have whatever share that is of the what, sale. I don't know. It's pretty what interesting. What they're really doing uh, is is tokenizing something that already exists. So REITs are like there's they're essentially stock – you can buy REITs on stock exchanges and stuff. They're real estate investment trust is what it means and – you can do it in a million different ways. You can be like, all right, we're going to buy a thousand condos or we're going to buy 10 condos or we're going to buy like 10 houses and we need this many investors or whatever. And then as the real estate appreciates, so then does the value of your share, which you can sell to other people. You can say this share has this underlying value of this much. So would you like it? And then they they can uh, you can realize that without actually having to sell the real estate itself. So this is a very small scale REIT if it's a $20 million piece of property. That is very small, but that would also be probably under the security token um, category. So I would imagine they they are. Fully- I believe I believe the article did say this was the very first of many part of this trust or whatever. I, w- I wonder what how the other complexities work, you know, because I totally understand the concept that like, okay, we'll break it into a bunch of little things and you could just own it. And if it appreciates or whatever, but like we are talking about a house, so someone has to live in it. Is it the largest shareholder or is it basically mean that we're always going to rent this out? And if we're always going to rent this out only, then is there ever an option to sell the house if somebody offers a lot of money and and who makes those decisions and if we're renting it out how does the management of it work i mean it just sounds great it sounds amazing but so complicated yeah where are all the details you know i'm sure they're uh, out there all reits have those of course have their prospectuses that have those details (laughs) i would i would love to find an reit that focuses specifically on gentrification i cannot find that i found like Opportunity zone funds, but I've never. What are, what are those words you just used? What is gentrification? I, so gentrification. Uh, it, go ahead. It's just they they go in and kind of uh, make the, the the quick version is they make a poor area cool by investing in it and making it nicer, and therefore it. So okay, real quick, real quick. It's more the process of 
people being pushed out, like the area becoming higher and higher because people with stronger incomes come in yeah, and buy. They they buy the all the land cheap. They so try to make up it the price. cool so that they buy all the land. It's what happened and they in try Shameless. To make part of it cool so that people now want to purchase the land rather than it having the shitty price that it had when it was a bad area. So like downtown Vegas. Yes, that's a prime example. Uh, downtown Vegas, Brooklyn, okay. like a lot of different places have been. Uh, a lot of downtown have had this happen. Um, even uh, I'm trying to think. Is there an area in Tampa? All right, I, I forgot why you used the word now. So, so can you reuse the word I, in the I, sentence? I, I was referring to real estate investment trusts. I've been lo- I've been looking for right. one that has that specifically does that, where they go buy. And you know, morals aside, I think it's a, I go to those places all the time, so I think that it's cool. But you know, like there's no firm that like quote unquote focuses on gentrification. Gentrification is just the outcome of people buying up more property like the society buying up more property and then the lower income people being put Yeah, out but I want to find the like, firm that tries to do that. Like their end goal is gentrification of all the land that they own. So I want to find a REIT that does But it. but to Brent's point, I think what he's saying is that they're going to invest that, in a lot of the land and be able to sell it for higher prices. Is that what you're saying? You want to be able to 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 realize the equity of the rise of the value? I'm saying that there's like I'm saying that you're setting yourself up to not be able to find it because that's literally what everybody's trying to do. Gentrification just describes the process when it happens in specific areas. But like there's no firm that's trying to buy real estate that isn't hoping that the entire fucking portfolio. No, but I mean specifically going in, buying up all the real estate in an area and then very targeted development of that area in order to cause the gentrification like like the Zappos.com guy did in in downtown Vegas. Like there is now all of the property in downtown Vegas is worth significantly more and he owns all of it. Imagine that. So So it's like it's like monopolizing your own city. Yeah, it's it, that is exactly what it is. You you buy up all this property at at the zero premium. It's happened and it's been like really cool. Hold on. There's a guy that's allowed to come up with a game plan and just do this and people give him money to do this. This sounds Yeah, I want to do that. Let's do it. Let's find somebody tell me. There has to be a fund out there. Just send it to me. It's definitely it's definitely a good like that's definitely what yeah, the money if there, is. I mean, that's if there is one developed. then somebody get me in contact with whoever I need to start my own. Hey, what was the what was the name that uh, when South Park did a gentrification? Soto episode? Sopa, and then like Soda the next Sopa. day it was the lofts at Soto Sopa. <laughs> yeah, oh hilarious! It's that that name is so on point. Yep. <laughs> uh, Wonderful, Brent. You said right. you had a rant for us. What, yeah, earlier. What was that all about? Tell us okay. what happened at Soto uh, Sopa. No, that well, that wasn't the rant, but I'll, I'll go on in now. It was sparked by one of the these memes on Reddit or whatever, but that but. It reminds me, are you guys having this thing where all of your people who know that you know crypto, but like they don't know crypto are sending you like every fucking news story about how crypto is dead or like all the, any ridiculous thing is happening. I'm getting it from so many sectors. Um, Yeah. I'm not as polarizing a figure as you. So nobody has felt the need to rub in my face. Well, all right. (laughs) I get. I, you know what? That makes that's a little actually bit of sense, a really good point. People actually like me, so they know my stance, and uh, they don't. <laughs> I, I don't know that anybody sent me any negative Bitcoin stuff. Like I have to go find no? it myself. Well, okay, hold on a second. I'll take that back. I did have one that might have been a troll, <clears> but I'm not sure. Somebody that I like, I get in a lot of fights with, who's a Trump supporter, did send me a message that said, "Hey, is it a good time to buy Bitcoin?" Oh yeah, yeah. That, see, that's that's my point. Like that shit's happening to me Maybe. all the time. And it's uh, it it sucks because like, what am I supposed to say to them? 
Like they heard me talking about it when it was 20K. They don't know anything about what I know, you know, since then. They, you know, whatever. One guy sends me this. He's like, oh, this this is a cruise and it's a crypto cruise. So I do both. And he sends it to me and he's like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, that. It, the Pivx cruise? It, it was it was a shitty crypto cruise headlined by fucking Brock Pierce, where they like tried to make it like a conference, but it was all the scams. So like it was a scam crypto cruise, and they gave everybody a like welcome packet on the cruise that included birth control, condoms, and like I I I I can't remember the list. I'll look that up in a second. But, like, I, I told him, I'm like, it's Brock Pierce. Fucking Google that guy. Like, that has nothing to do with the rest of crypto. Stop sending this to me. Wait, is that your rant? Or you were telling me no, no. about well, the No, no. Well, the rant was just, I thought you guys were going to have a similar experience and that we could talk about it. But uh, if you guys aren't getting that same thing, then I don't know. Like, I, I just, it kind of sucks. That, like, here it is. Sorry, let me read this. It's this the Coins, Coins Bank, the company organizing the cruise, left little welcome gift boxes in each of the rooms. They contained painkillers, Alka-Seltzer, condoms, the world's flimsiest pregnancy test, and a half bottle of Jägermeister. So sorry, no birth control, but... That almost sounds like a joke gift. A half like, a bottle like, of Jäger in every on, room? That's it. not possible. A, a pregnancy kit, a condom, <clears throat> and a bottle of Jäger. This is... I'm pretty sure it's meant yeah, to be yeah. ironic. But Otherwise... It's like the, I would love to get that at the beginning of like a swingers cruise or like a music festival cruise or like something like like if I'm on holy shit, yeah, but that's what they put in my room. It's like, ah, yeah, but yeah, like a crypto conference on a boat and that's what they gave you. All right. Cool story, bro. Like, <laughs> is there also a life size no, like, replica of McAfee's dick involved? Look, I'll keep going on a side though, Brett. What I re- the point that I was really making is I've seen like on social media, you were a very big um like proponent you're you're kind of one of the people with the megaphone when it comes to bitcoin and and the space needs people like that but of course that that style is going to approach more quote-unquote haters more people that you know you're more in their face about it so they're waiting to be more in your face about it um but you know whatever like you know the long-term vision and um you know, I'm pretty sure that you're already savoring the moment that you're going to send them an article that says XYZ broke X amount. Oh, <laughs> no. Have you ever seen Billy Madison where the guy is the like people to kill list behind him and he's like crossing people off? Like Brett, Brett remembers everything. Just call me Pepper. Okay. <laughs> people in Discord, if you can hear me, if you're in the Discord, Brent remembers everything everything there there was like i remember some there was was one guy that i went and fucking prodded like about something like kucoin and he went on another like 200 page rant about how big of a piece of shit i am and it was great i it it was uh where was this one idiot i want to say his name but the guy the only reason i was even talking to the guy was you asked me to listen Listen, listen, we have engaged in an educating mission, so our job is to educate people, and a lot of these people are going to have their own opinions, and um, we just keep preaching what we think is the truth. <laughs> so, I, I will stand by uh, Pomp's bet. I'll create a 10-coin portfolio against S&P 500 for 10 years, if anyone's interested. All right. Mike's and I actually put on Twitter, I'm bet, still looking everybody. for the TA guys. I'm still looking for anybody that wants to do any sort of portfolio competition for TA versus a non-TA portfolio. Like, still looking for guys, anybody. See, I, 
It could be for I free. I thought about that, well, but how? But Mike, the very the very nature of TA would mean that it wouldn't be a portfolio. So you'd be engaging with somebody who's going to be active. Yeah, it would be really hard to track that. I wouldn't portfolio. know how to do that and know that you were like not getting hustled in any way. Um, I agree, and that's why I'm willing to do it for free for Pride. If anybody, if any of you YouTube experts think that you know you're going to show profits, I'll give you a chance. Yeah, no, you could definitely do it. Yeah, it's it's an easy way to set it up. They have <clears> to basically trade, you know, record and post all their trades before they happen. Uh, you'd have a real time, and basically, <laughs> they would say that this value equals, and you would agree to not touch your portfolio. It definitely can be done, but very hard. It will be an onerous uh, thing. I'd do it for charity too, if if anybody wanted to do it for charity. I'll do it for free, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a billion dollars, though. Believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah, I barely have yeah, yeah. ten, but I'll put those ten up. <laughs> well, anyway, I think that is something I agree with. S and P is pretty strong, but I do think that crypto, especially in its first, and 10 years, I, I think five five's not even the number, right? Like five is where I'm like, eh, I don't know, it's probably close. You know why I think it's a it's a really big gamble, honestly. I do think that crypto is going to grow more rapidly than the S and P by the very nature of it being young. I think that the real tough part is that the S&P is actually mature. Like we already know who's going to be putting in the work for the S&P in that bet. It's going to be Google. It's going to be Amazon. It's going to be Apple. And they're going to be churning freaking profit, right? But whatever index we make of cryptocurrencies right now, we could easily have like six or seven cryptocurrencies that are not even in the top 20 and right, but it can be market years. cap weighted. You can weight it however you want. So it could be like 70% Bitcoin, right? Like that's pretty common. Yeah, no, no, no. Sure. I'm just saying that I'm just saying that the market's still immature enough that it's hard to make a good index. I, I will also congratulate the two of you. I recently really listened to the investing theories episode and it was an awesome listen. I I really recommend anyone that, you know hasn't listened to it recently it was it was just fun to go back and it kind of sparked me on some things don't go too far back some yeah, of guys, really early episodes suck but that one was, i agree that was cool that was fun to record go download them yeah, probably, yeah download them just don't, don't bother listening to them <laughs> oh man all right i've heard that joke before and that means it's time to wrap it up wrap it up like uh, you're on a crypto cruise any party word like we're on a cruise before i sign us off any parting words guys <laughs> Uh, no, nope. man. We, we- <laughs> that doesn't feel like parting words. So then I'll take an opportunity in case you go do listen to that Investment Theory episodes and like it, or you've heard other episodes that you like, please go on iTunes, rate the podcast. It means a lot to us. And of course, join our Discord or engage us on email, Twitter, whatever it may be. Uh, Mike, before I... Do- Actually, there is there is one announcement to- that I had forgotten about until this exact moment. Um we, I submitted the first article for the blockchain brief. It was an article about the six things I wish I knew before I got into crypto. And then I also added three things that I want to know now that I'm already in crypto. Uh, did a little blog on that. We have a link and we'll put it in the show notes and it'll be in the discord, but it's uh, five bucks a month and it's a pretty long magazine style once a month. I think it's like 80 pages. Really, really nice. There's a preview. Check it out. Okay. And just a reminder, none of the members of the Crypto Basic podcast are financial advisors. So when they were telling you to just buy Bitcoin and buy Ethereum and all that stuff, what they really said is, we like those projects. Don't take that as financial advice. 
everybody else that did is already uh, sending Brent stories about how yeah, much yeah, money I, they've lost. I can't even wait for tomorrow. The fucking market, the markets are getting <laughs> fucking annihilated right now. I'm going to get like three more people. Oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> you just put a little smiley face that says yep. buy the dip and that's it. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next episode. For Mike Lockie, Brent Philbin, this has been Kareem Baruke, and this is Crypto Base. Peace out. <laughs>